Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 215. I have a guest for you today. I have a goddess for you today. My guest today is Madison, aka the gut goddess on the gram. We've been in each other's worlds for quite a while and a month or so ago, I reached out to her to ask her if she'd come on the podcast, hop in the hot seat and talk about gut health, how we heal our gut uh, in a way that isn't stressful or isn't overwhelming. <laughs> Madison actually spent a decade or over a decade of her life trying to heal her gut. She did all of the restrictive gut healing diets. She spent thousands of dollars on supplements. She bounced around from practitioner to practitioner, but she was left with lingering symptoms like bloating, diarrhea, acne, fatigue, and a really long list of foods that she should avoid. <laughs> but mostly she was left with no hope that she would ever feel well or normal again. Then, then, <laughs> uh, she actually went and did her Master of Science in Holistic Nutrition in Portland, Oregon. And around that time, she also started to work with a mentor or a coach. And these two experiences, as well as a decade of <laughs> learning and researching uh, and you know trying to listen to her body and, and work out all of the pieces of the puzzle, she started to learn all about the nervous system about hormones, stress, the metabolism, and how all of these things impact the gut. And so now she helps people heal their gut through her coaching programs in a way that really takes the stress and overwhelm out of gut healing. It was such a cool conversation. We spoke all about the gut. <laughs> We spoke about how the digestive system works, how stress impacts our gut. Uh, we talked about her five foundations that she uses in her work and her group coaching program to help people heal their gut. Oh, we spoke about so much more minerals and hormones, movement for gut health. Uh, just dive in. Dive in and listen to this delicious conversation with Madison, aka the gut goddess, on taking the stress and overwhelm out of gut healing. We don't get a um a voice like Zoom to tell us to go, Madison, but we're ready. <laughs> we're ready. I'm gonna give us the go, the green light. Uh welcome to the Warrior School podcast. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan of yours. Thank you. So Madison and me, we haven't, we've, we've uh, followed along on the gram for quite a while. 
uh, we kind of sit at the same same table as uh, we have the same women, I guess, at our table. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put her in the hot seat to talk about the gut uh, because that's her thing. Yeah. So, but I don't know you super, super well. Not that we have to go super, super deep, but yeah. I thought a really cool place to start would be your story. And maybe with, you know, what you do now and then let's go back and connect some of those key dots that led you to doing what you do today. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with what you do now. Yeah. So now, I mean, I call myself the gut goddess. Um, As we'll get into, I was definitely not that. I mean, that's just recent within the last couple of years. Um, But yeah, I have a one-on-one and group coaching practice on, I just coach online and mainly help mostly women, but sometimes men or any kind of gender identity with gut issues like IBS, SIBO, candida, diarrhea, constipation, like food sensitivities, you name it. Yeah. Any kind of gut issue. Um, And of course, as you probably know, and as your listeners probably know, that comes with a lot of other things, hormone stuff, um, mental health issues. Yeah. So it's, I'm helping people mainly with their guts, but also with just their overall health. Um, and had you told me a couple of years ago, I would be doing this with my life. I've been like, absolutely not. This is, I would have, I'd never wanted to start my own business. I was in like the depths of my own healing at the time and like could not even fathom coaching others through it. Um, so that's kind of where I am now. Just got my guts thriving. I have a thriving business online, helping people through all the things that I went through. Um, and it was a long time in the making. I've been in the health world, I feel like for a really, really long time. Um, so I'm 31 and I started getting into health probably when I was 18 or 19. Um, so that's where I'll start is kind of with, with that, because prior to that, I mean, I was, didn't really care about my health or food or eating or movement or really anything. Um, I struggled with some gut issues when I was little, but nothing really that bad. And then they got really bad when I moved away to college when I was 18. Um, and like so many people did this whole standard medical thing, got all the tests, blood work done, um, uh, for years, bounced around a doctor to doctor was told nothing was wrong, even though I had crazy bad bloating and diarrhea and urgency with my stools and really bad skin and brain fog. And I was like thin as a rail and so undernourished. Um, so did the whole mainstream medical thing for years and really didn't find much relief from that. They were just told, I was told that I was, everything's pretty normal. You have a little bit of inflammation. That was it. Meanwhile, I was struggling on a day-to-day basis, was constantly restricting certain foods. Cause I was like, well, maybe it's dairy and maybe it's gluten and maybe it's sugar. And as, yeah, as most people in the gut health world know, it's just like very restrictive. It can be. Um, so that was years. And then kind of in my early 20s, I was offered a medication from regular doctors and I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to be on a medication for the rest of my life. I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew nothing about like supplements and natural health and farming and food and nothing. So I kind of just left and I was like, I'm going to figure something out. And so I would say the majority of my 20s was just trial and error. And just going all in. And I know you had just even just recently posted about a podcast of you talking about like this all or nothing type mindset. And that was me 
in regards to my health. I was just like, I was vegetarian and then I tried vegan and then I tried restricting beans and grains and nuts and seeds and took supplements and saw more, more functional medicine type doctors and got more testing done. And like my life was consumed with just figuring out my digestive struggles. Yeah. And so it was a lot, it was very heavy. Um, it was a lot of money, time, energy. Like I became obsessed with my health. I became very restrictive, didn't go out to eat, wouldn't travel because my symptoms would flare up. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my, most of my twenties. And then when I, I went back to school in 2016 and got a master's degree in nutrition, which was amazing. It was very holistic and integrative. I went to a school in Portland, Oregon. And if you know anything about Portland, Oregon, it's very just like so comprehensive and holistic. And it was, it it was an amazing education. So at that point I was like, wow, I learned about eating animal products again, which I was vegan at the time. Um, learned about stress and the nervous system and movement and weightlifting and um, breath work and meditation and food and farming and sustainability and just like all these very holistic things related to health. Whereas prior to that, I was just like very restrictive about food stuff and taking tons of supplements and wasn't looking at my health in a very comprehensive way. So yeah, fast forward the past couple of years, never had better health. Like I feel stronger than ever. Like my skin's better than it's ever, ever has been. I eat dairy on a daily basis and sourdough bread. I just reintroduced within the last couple of months and have no issues with, and I eat carbs and yeah, just like, is it's a very time of, uh, time of liberation and balance and yeah, just also now helping people do the same because I've been there, done that, done all the restrictive, restrictive things, very um, closed-minded perspective of my health. And now just finally feel like I'm living life with my health. Yes, of course, like it's an important thing to me, but it's kind of like in the background, you know, I'm not actually able to like live life normally to some extent now. So long story short, that's, that's the majority of it kind of the past decade ish. Yeah, thanks for uh thanks for sharing Madison and yeah. you know I'm sure within that decade uh and as you were you know reaching that 10 year and then you went to school and you started to learn all of this stuff I'm sure there was probably moments in your mind where you were like damn it I wish I knew all of this like 10 years ago or when I started mm-hmm. but I think there is, even though, (laughs) I guess it's kind of the right word. I don't know. I think there's beauty in that. I think there's beauty within the 10 years of Mm -hmm. like struggling and figuring out and researching and trialing and just like being in the work and Mm -hmm. you have done so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as a coach, being able to lead someone with 10 years of you know experience uh and then coming out of that with an amazing education which is not often the case yeah i've done a master's in dietetics it was clinical it was extremely unsatisfying i can't say i learned that much other than the (laughs) biochemistry of food but we learned nothing about the nervous system uh, Mm -hmm. about the metabolism about really about hormones or anything like that so i don't know can you just speak to that a little bit around how did the mind feel when you landed in this place 
in Portland, in Oregon and came across education finally, because I'm sure, did you feel exhausted after 10 years of like researching and learning and trying? Uh, what, what, other than the education piece that you were taught, what else helped? Like what mm -hmm. clicked then for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always call that kind of like the second phase of my healing because prior to that, again, I was just doing everything from vegan to carnivore and just supplements and trying it all on my own. And then I think after my schooling, it, was, it wasn't like I learned everything I needed to in school. It was almost like this was a stepping stone into this, this realm of health that I hadn't really um, noticed before. And I think one of the biggest things, and not to like promote us, but it's like I hired a coach after school. I hired my own health coach. Um, and that was life changing because prior to that, I was working with functional medicine people and maybe an acupuncturist, but it wasn't like I had a coach on my side to guide me through this and like have someone who I could vent to. I was really doing all of it on my own, which as you know, is so exhausting. And even the last couple of years, like I have a spirituality coach, I have a fitness coach, I have a health coach. Like I've hired so many coaches because now I see the value in what they can offer. So that was a big one is that after school, I think it was maybe a year or two after school, I was working, I was working in the health world, but I still was having some lingering issues. And I was like, I'm hiring someone because I need support in this and I'm sick of doing it on my own. And that was a very, that was hard because I was like, I went to school, I know how to do this. Um, so that was a huge shift too, in that kind of that time frame where I feel like I did a lot of healing was hiring support. And I still see my health coach to this day every couple months just to like check in and have a different perspective because I, I did know a lot, but there's something valuable in having someone else's opinion and guidance and them seeing things from an outside perspective um, that I hadn't really seen before. And that um, my health coach actually brought up really a lot more of like the nervous system and stress piece, which I'm sure we'll talk about because I did not realize how connected that was until he pointed it out. He was like, you've been dealing with all these different really big stressors. Like this is probably having a lot to do with your gut. And I was like, what? This is, I had no idea. So I think that was huge hiring a coach. Um, and what else? I mean, that was one of the biggest ones. And then just also realizing that it didn't, it didn't have to be just about food. It didn't have to be just about food and supplements. It was just like, okay, that's one piece. And I'm really good at doing that one piece. I can be keto and I can be carnivore if I want to. Like I'm very disciplined if I want to be very disciplined. Um, and then I think school just taught me, it's like, okay, yeah, nutrition is one piece of it, but the movement piece is huge. And like your sleep is huge and your relationships are really big and your nervous system and like how much you're enjoying your life is a piece of this too. So it took a little bit of pressure. Well, it took a lot of pressure off the food piece because prior to that, it was like, I only eat hundred percent organic biodynamic <laughs> sprouted fermented, like food, you know? And it was like, I was so restrictive with that piece. And then once I was like, Oh, I can actually like relax a little bit and like have some chocolate and have sugar again. And expand my diet then I felt so much more nourished in the food that I was eating I actually liked it more and I think that was a big piece of of the schooling piece but just um yeah just realizing that it wasn't it's not just about food stuff like your health is that's one piece of it that um so I would say those are the two biggest kind of things that shifted is 
hiring support and then also kind of easing up on being so all or nothing with one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Often talk about how it leaks so much energy out of us when uh, we're in this constant uh, and I get it. Yeah. When we don't feel well, it's, it's so crappy to feel horrible and crappy. And so yeah. when we're in this constant state of searching to try and find the answer uh, or when we go all in on something, it's such an energy leak. Like you said, for a decade, it consumed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were trying to find the answer and that leaks a lot of energy out of you. And so the leading, and this is why I'm such a fan of being led that uh, it it takes that mental labor, the mental load or that energy leakage can get plugged a little bit when you are led, whether that's through, yeah, mm-hmm. finally finding the right education and the right teachers, finding a mentor or a coach or whoever that is. Um, yeah, for me, that's what I have found most helpful as well in my own experience. But then working with so many women over the last 14 years, it's you know, it's not just about uh, the program. It's not, you know, you could jump on and you can find a training program anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can try, you can find a pretty reasonable food plan, uh, yeah. but it's not about that. It's about being led through that and not mm-hmm. forever if you don't want to, but at least for a little while. Uh, and so, yeah, it's cool that around that same time for yourself, with the education piece and then kind of knowing that, okay, I need someone to lead me through this a little bit, uh, Mm -hmm. that those things, yeah, married, like marriage together. I'd love to know, did your education teach you about connecting to your body and listening to your body? Did in that decade of reading and research, did you did someone, did something or someone teach you that? Did you learn it over a decade? Did school teach you that? Did your mentor teach you that? Because I think it's a disconnection problem. You know, most women think they have, yeah, they have digestive problems or they have a weight problem or whatever it is. But for me, I've always viewed it as a disconnection problem that we're so Mm -hmm. disconnected from our body Uh, that then therefore we're experiencing these things or these symptoms. I'd love just to hear about your story or relationship with like connection and learning to listen and understand your own body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that question. And and just thinking about that, I think over, of course, the course of my digestive struggles, I had learned to distrust my body. And so that was like you're saying, there's this huge disconnection. I think that's why I was always searching for someone for a diet or a practitioner to just give me what supplements to take because I just wanted to be guided and led and just told what to do. I was like, I'll just, I'll just do it. I don't think I wanted to actually tune in and feel and listen, listen to my body during that time. And I'm trying to think what, what really shifted. I mean, one class that I really enjoyed in my education was called food relationship coaching. And so a lot of my classes were very science heavy and about, you know, farming and sustainability and cooking and macros and all those things. But I did opt in to take this food relationship coaching class, which I will forever remember because it was very much like this in that uh, it really taught me to disconnect from that more logical side of health and wellness and really connect to like the, the intuitive side of 
what's my relationship like with food? What it, what food feels good for me to eat? Um, and ask myself, kind of put the questions back on me and be like, what do I actually enjoy? What do I actually think is delicious and nourishing rather than always searching for some study or person to tell me what to do? So I think that was also part of it too, is just kind of the start of this process of learning to trust my body again and listen to my body. And I know people throw that word out all the time. It's like listening to your body, but um, I think certain fundamentals need to be, you know, taken care of until you can listen, learn to listen to your body. Like, you know, you need to be taking care of your fundamentals and eating enough and making sure you're eating enough protein and, you know, getting enough sleep. And then you can really tune into it. Um, And I think, yeah, that's kind of where it started was with that class of like, forget all the logical things. Like, what do you actually want to do? What do you actually like to eat? Uh, How are you feeling today? How, like, just putting, putting it back on me uh, was definitely a shift. And I still, even to this day, sometimes I'm just like, it's hard to listen to your body because it's different every day. And as you talk about, like, we're very cyclical. And sometimes I'm like, why am I craving this thing? Or like, why can I, why is my body doing different things on different days? And it's, it's not as, yeah, we're, we're cyclical. And so it requires a lot of trust in your body. And I think that trust has just been developed for me in um, the past couple of years, just expanding my diet and reassuring myself that I can eat different foods and that my body can heal. And it's even healing without me trying to heal it. And yeah, I think that's, it's such an important piece of this whole wellness culture is there's, as you know, so much information. And it's like, you can, like you said, you can find a plan online just immediately for free and you can stick to a program, but like actually doing it, being led by it, having mentors in it and like living it on a day-to-day basis will give you the trust um, and help you learn how to actually listen, listen to your body. Yeah. It's, um, they're big questions. Like, how do I feel today? Like, what is my body telling me? (laughs) They sound so simple, but when you ask yourself or when you ask the people that you work with, especially at the start of your work together, those are really hard questions for a lot of us to answer. And I think like yourself, Madison, so many uh, women or so many people have just spent so much of their lives disconnected uh, from... Yeah, from not only their body, obviously, I'll talk a lot with the physical stuff, but there's like the emotional and, you know, mental and spiritual side, but my work is very much in the physical. So uh, for you, what was, what did you, you know, because when we think about like health, like what is health? And, you know, when we think about this idea of listening to our bodies, what I, what I found most helpful for myself and what I find really helpful for a lot of women is talking about this umbrella analogy that I use, like the umbrella is our nervous system or us, like the state of our body. And then we have all of these prongs that make up us or, you know, our nervous system or how well our body functions. And if one or more of those prongs isn't working right, therefore the umbrella can't do its job or the nervous system is not as strong as Mm -hmm. it needs to be. So you mentioned before that food was one piece, but not the only piece, but for a decade, would you say that food was like your sole focus, like your 
like the thing yes. that you yeah 100 percent the food that was it that was absolutely it yeah yeah could you could you talk a little bit about when you started working with your mentor and he opened you up to this idea of like the nervous system and stress can mm -hmm. you talk about just some of the things that you you learned from him and even some of the things now that you use in your work and even in your life uh yeah talk about some of those other prongs and how they really can impact the gut would that be mm -hmm. cool if we did that yeah yeah I think what I'll do is, I mean, in my practice, I'll just tell you kind of what I do in my practice. So I have like my five fundamentals, which are similar to like maybe your prongs underneath the, the umbrella. Um, the first one is nutrition because nutrition does impact our nervous system and our sleep and our stress and like all those things. So yes, there's that piece, which is still very big, um, but it's one piece. The next one is stress. So I talk to all my clients about how your digestion works, right? When we, when people think about the gut, they probably most often think about your stomach or your intestines, you know, but your digestive system involves so many different organs, right? It's like nine plus organs. It starts with your brain and your nervous system and your mouth and your esophagus and your stomach and your liver, your gallbladder. Um, and yeah, the basis, I mean, at the very top of your gut is what's really controlling everything is your brain and your nervous system, which is so critical to your your gut health. So that's that's kind of the second one. So um, nutrition, stress, light is another one. So like the light that you're exposed to throughout the day, right? So that also has to do a lot with your sleep. Um, movement is this the fourth one. So very much in your realm. Uh, movement, making your movement work for your digestive system, right? So doing tons and tons of chronic cardio like I used to do is not really good for good for your gut. It's kind of stressful for your gut. So making your movement patterns um, supportive of gut health. And then the last one is mindset, which is that whole idea of like, this should be fun. It should, you should really love and enjoy everything that you consume and eat. Um, it's just really helping guide people through kind of the mental, emotional piece of all of it too, of like, I can send you all this information, send you all the protocols, the to-do list. And it's like that, like you're saying before, it's like, that's, there's beauty in the process of actually implementing all of that. And there will be thoughts that come up, like, I don't know about your body image or about certain foods that you can or can't eat or about, you know, your healing journey, what it's supposed to look like, what it doesn't look like. Um, and so those are kind of like the five fundamentals. And then just to speak more specifically to what you asked about kind of nervous system function. Um, I mean, again, that's, that's kind of the, the stress piece, right? And so your nervous system is controlling your digestion. And if you're, like I said, your digestion involves a lot of organs, it's a lot of work. And so your body needs all of its good digestive juices and enzymes and blood flow. And when you're in this state of of chronic stress, whatever, whatever that might look like. Um, there's so many different stressors, but it moves blood flow away from your core. You're right. Like your, your digestive system isn't the number one thing that your body needs to be doing. It's kind of like, okay, we got to manage the stress before we get to the, get to digesting. It's not, it's not top priority. Um, so when your nervous system is impaired or burnt out or frazzled, it's going to move literally resources away from your gut. So your gut is not going to be able to, to utilize those. And of course, um, I think one of the things that 
my coach just had um, shifted my perspective on is like, okay, yeah, stressors can be like, you know, your, your normal everyday mental emotional stressors, right? But then for a lot of the things that I was dealing with, I didn't even realize they were big stressors in my life. Now looking back, I'm like, duh, of course, like, I was working a nine to five job, but also like working a side hustle. I was in a very uh, draining relationship. I was in a religion that I was not resonating with for a really long time and I hadn't left. Um, So he really like brought to my attention, like these big things in your life, like they're really stressful because I didn't really think I was a stressed person. I've always been very like chill and grounded. Um, And then when he brought those to my attention, I was like, wow, I guess I didn't really perceive that I was under that much stress. And really it was like, I had a lot of big, um, big stressors in my life. And those were the things that, yeah, he brought to my attention. And I was like, damn, yeah, I gotta like, end this relationship and like be single for a while and leave this religion that I really don't like. And I need to figure out something else with my work because I am not happy doing this. I'm working way too much. So yeah, just brought to my attention, like, yes, there's these, there's these small little stressors that we experience. um, But like, it's, it was some of these really big stressors that I had to really tackle in order to really support my nervous system function. Yeah, it's, um, it reminds me of, have you read three steps of a uh, three steps to awakening with, um, uh, who's a buy? It's just on my bookshelf. I think it's Larry Rosenberg. Anyway, there's this moment he's actually talking, he's on, um, like a meditation retreat or something. Mm-hmm. And there is the uh, meditational yogi uh, teacher there. And he goes up to them at the end and says, okay, well, like, can you give me like more? I want more information or more resources or basically yeah. this idea of more. And the teacher says, I want you to look at how you are actually living, not how you think you're living, not how you want to live but like how are you actually living and is how you're actually living in alignment with how you want to feel or where you want to go and when you're telling that story often you know we're living these lives that we might not perceive to be stressful because it becomes really the norm yeah Mm -hmm. from the culture or society but you know, I often say to my women, yeah, we can put in all of these foundations, we can create a plan, we can create a strategy, we can listen to the body, we can get strong biofeedback. But if in the end, something's still not working, uh, we need to look at how we're actually living, not how Mm -hmm. we think we are, or not how we want to, but how are we actually living? What are we doing day to day? that is potentially causing a lot of this stress or this gut stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that it's, it may feel so normal, right? It feels like, like I didn't even think I was stressed. I was just like, I'm on this hustle and grind. And this is, I, that literally felt normal to me. And then I finally started to slow down and realize like, wow, I didn't realize how, yeah, how dramatically, that was affecting my life, all those little things. Yeah. At any time, did you think, 
my gut stuff is because I'm stressed because I'm living this way or was it for you and the mind was it always it's got to be the food it's the food it's the food I would say it was that the thought that it was the food was up until about yeah 2019 ish I thought it was always the food I was always trying you know like I said at that point I think I was trying carnivore and I again it was like yes I got some results but it was nothing was resolving long term and I was like okay it's got to be something else and then yeah finally started to explore this other piece and then looking back I'm like yeah wow it was it was for sure not always the food I mean yes probably to some extent when I was eating you know standard American diet but like after that probably not probably not at all yeah yeah and I think And that's why I kind of like to look at them as prongs because we can't do everything all at the same time. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to do, take small steps, which we'll talk about today to help us with what we're experiencing. But when we can view it that way of like, okay, it's an umbrella and it's prongs and, or, you know, the, the work that you do in your program that has all of those pillars that, Yes, we might need to start with the food because potentially you don't have a strong enough foundation and Mm -hmm. it plays a really big impact, obviously, in energy and nervous system and digestive health. But yeah, there are all of these other areas. And isn't it crazy how for a long time, really until people, you know, I guess over the last five, seven, eight years really started to show up in the nervous system space and the metabolic space, it was never spoken about. No Mm -hmm. one, like no one kind of said, hey, actually you might be experiencing constipation or diarrhea because of, yes, maybe because of your food, but because you're stressed or you might be experiencing psoriasis because you're actually really stressed. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just blows, it blows my mind. I think just being in the health space for so long and no, no one really connecting it to stress for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how long you've kind of been in that space knowing, you know, knowing about the stress piece. Because I even remember I saw a naturopath back in, I want to say like 2015 or 16, maybe. And I, she did send, she gave me a handout and it was about va- the vagus nerve. And I'd never heard of the vagus nerve. I just, it was a handout though. And she literally, that's all she did. She gave me this handout, had a couple of different vagus nerve exercises. I looked at them and I was like, this is weird. I'm not going to gargle or like, hum and then looking back I'm like wow okay I did I did have a piece of that and I and she obviously knew that it was a piece to the digestive system piece but it was just like I was given a handout and that was it it wasn't like somebody being like yo what's your day-to-day look like what are you doing on a day-to-day basis how are your relationships what is your work schedule like like I was never really addressed so um, yeah I'm curious when you kind of introduced that piece or learned more about it because it is so important yeah it was fragmented for me for a long time they were in pieces like the puzzle wasn't put together so um the first piece came well my sister uh endured anorexia nervosa for a long time so i decided to become a dietitian and specialize in eating disorders because of Mm. her um eating disorder I went and did a Bachelor of Exercise Science and Nutrition first. So I guess the exercise science came for me first. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I did my master's. And as I said, super clinical, really unsatisfying. Okay. It was all about diet and disease, a lot into the into the hospital. And then I went and I specialized in 
uh, eating disorders. So it was more around the relationship and the, the, yeah, the, the mental side of it. Uh, and just restoring them back to, you know, a baseline level. And then I went back into the training space and I found my coach. And this is when I started to learn a lot about like injury and how to train properly, like build a proper foundation. And then when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, I found the female physiology stuff. And so then Mm -hmm. I started to learn about that and I brought that in and the menstrual cycle piece. And then about maybe seven or eight years ago, or maybe nine now, I started to then find the work of like Josh and Jeannie Rubin from Real Food Gangsters Mm -hmm. and some of those kind of older school, you know, grandfathers or grandmas in the um, nervous system metabolic space. And then I started Mm -hmm. to learn a lot about that because I wasn't taught about that in any of my degrees. So I guess I then just put all of those pieces together. And that's what I was kind of saying at the start. You know, you have to, to go through that like I've been in the space Mm -hmm. now for 14 years but I didn't know a lot of this stuff I only started to click it all together six seven years ago and really implement it into my work it's kind of like you know you're on this journey for a long time I think it's at least a good decade of you just like learning and researching and trying and Mm -hmm. you know working with a bunch of people and learning from a bunch of people when you really start to be like okay now I kind of see all the pieces of the puzzle like mm-hmm. fitting together. And normally, you know, in my case, they f- I put them together in, in my puzzle or my story first. Mm-hmm. And then you can lead um, other women in, mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. 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 I feel the same. I, yes. I'd love to actually talk about the digestive system. Can we get into a little bit about Okay, well, yeah. what is it? Most people think it's my stomach. Yeah, and maybe my bowels. But can we go from like head to head to butt? Yeah, let's do it. Go, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just do kind of what I know or just a brief, a brief summary. So again, you ask anyone, you know, where does your digestive system start? And most people say in your mouth or in your stomach. And it's like, okay, yes, kind of, because that's where you put food in. But really, like I said, the br- the brain and the nervous system are the first pieces in your digestive system, right? Your entire gut is essentially a tube through your body. It's being, it's, you don't have to think about digesting. It's autonomic. It's part of your autonomic nervous system. So it's just your brain and your nervous system are controlling your digestive system. Um, so yeah, brain first and foremost, right? And so we can, I don't know if you want to go over this too, but I always talk about like, ways to support kind of every single piece of it. Um, so the brain, do you want, should I go into that when I talk about each piece? You do okay. whatever you want, girl. Okay. I love it. It's so fun to me to talk about it. Your brain. Yeah. Okay. So the first piece of your digestion is your brain. It's taking in sights and sounds and smells, even your emotions, and it's prepping every single organ for digestion. So the best way to support this piece is mindfulness and presence and pleasure and joy around your food. That is literally it. It is like, you want your meals to be a ritual. You want them to be delicious and appealing to your eye and smell delicious. And like anything you want to do around mindfulness and presence with your meals will literally prep your body to digest better. So like we can even talk about our favorite meals and our mouth will start to salivate. Like that's your brain doing its job to prep the body. So I love starting with that piece because it is like, that's, that's the number one piece. Like that is the first stage of digestion. 
Um, and I lost that for so long. Like I was just eating kale smoothies and like shoveling in anything that I thought was super, super healthy, but it tasted disgusting. And it's like, okay, that's not, that's not ideal for good digestion. So that is the number mm-hmm. one piece, right? So the brain nervous system piece. Um, again, if you're stressed, if you're dealing with a lot of these chronic stressors, you're under eating, you're stressed at work, you're constantly going, 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 your body is, is pushing nutrients and resources away from your, your gut and your core. So your digestive organs need that. And so your nervous system is controlling that. So nervous system function is so fun. There's so many different things you can do, even like just resting and eating enough and eating enough protein and eating enough carbs and getting outside in the morning sun and going for gentle walks and community and vagus nerve work, breath work, meditation, all those fun, amazing things are good for the nervous system. There's so much, so much to support it. So that's your, your second piece. You, then you get to the mouth, right? I call it the mastication station, right? Chewing is really important for good gut health because you're, you're breaking down your food. Um, I think chewing is pretty easy if you take care of the first two pieces. So if you're, if you genuinely like your food and your nervous system is in a chill state, like it's pretty easy to chew slow and like enjoy your food. Um, but some people do need a reminder to just like slow down with your meals, chew because part of your digestion is happening there. And then of course it gets down into your stomach. So again, this is another piece that people think is like your gut, you know, your, is your stomach. It's just one piece. Um, and some ways to support your stomach, uh, drinking bone broth, drinking or having sea salt with your meals helps support good stomach acid, the stress piece, making sure you're chill and calm with your meals will be really good for, um, stomach acid. What else? The idea in your stomach is you want it to be very acidic because it's breaking down your food and it's also killing off any potential pathogenic bacteria that your body could be exposed to through your food. Um, what else? Bone broth, sea salt, really like healing, soothing herbs, things like aloe vera juice. Like I said, bone broth, collagen, gelatin, uh, marshmallow root tea, slippery elm bark tea. It's really soothing for the gut, for the stomach. Um, and then after that is your, your liver and your gallbladder. So those are liver is, I mean, as you know, does so many different things and same with the gallbladder. I mean, there's a lot to the liver, but, um, your liver just wants fuel. That's a big thing with liver support. I think that people think your liver needs all these detoxes and cleanses and herbs and juice cleanses. And it's like, no, your liver wants proteins. So like, make sure you're eating enough bioavailable, easy to digest proteins, um, and carbs. Those are really supportive for liver function. Your liver has hundreds of jobs and when it's given fuel, it works properly. So that's a big one. Also doing things like beets or beet juice, um, dandelion root tea is really good for liver function, casserole packs. And your liver is taking care of, um, in regards to digestion, it's, it's breaking down a lot of your fats and your fat soluble vitamins. So fat, vitamin A, D, E, and K. And then you kind of get to the last two pieces, your small intestine and your large intestine. Your small intestine is from what I remember from my notes around 22 feet long. It's like, everything is getting digested and absorbed there. It is crazy, uh, you know, just how much is happening there. So it is just like absorbing everything, um, digesting and assimilating things. And um, I'm trying to think of some quick things around how to support that. 
Same with like all the gut healing uh, herbs, things like aloe vera juice, slippery elm bark, collagen, gelatin, bone broth. Also just eliminating some of those harder to digest foods, things like um, grains, beans, nuts, and seeds are a little bit harder on the gut. Lots of like raw, rough vegetables, cruciferous veggies in particular, things like kale and um, broccoli and cauliflower. Um, being mindful of your antibiotics and birth control, those can always disrupt kind of the the bacteria in your small intestine. Um, and then you get to your large intestine and that's mostly going to absorb your electrolytes. And that's kind of where your stool is getting held and formed and waiting to be excreted. So as far as large intestine goes, I mean, getting minerals, electrolytes, hydration. Um, yeah, I feel like the small intestine and large intestine, it's like if you're starting from the top and you're, you're supporting those first couple of stages, things are going to go well the rest of the way down. Um, that's why it's, I always start with the top because, you know, you can focus on the bacteria in the, your colon and in your small intestine and all those things. But um, yeah, always start at the top. Another one that I didn't mention is the, the thyroid, which I always talk about with clients too, because your thyroid is also controlling, um, it's helping produce good stomach acid and it's also helping move things through your system at a good rate, right? If your thyroid is slow and sluggish, your your digestive system is also running really slow and sluggish, which can cause lots of bloating, um, sometimes bacterial imbalances and constipation too. So there was your there's your whole gut, your your physiology quick tips on the how the di- digestive system works. Yeah, and you you pretty much answered my next question, which was around uh, like where does it break down? You know, I I'm really fascinated because we'll lots of people talk about gut problems and they'll say things like bloating, uh, you know, gas, diarrhea, constipation. And a lot of these things they're talking about is low, <laughs> low mm-hmm, down exactly. yep. in the gut. And I am just, I was super fascinated to know, okay, if we take a top down approach, or I like to call about, like call it building a foundation. Mm-hmm. And yes, that could be bottom up, but I guess we could talk about building a foundation from the top, which is the head. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the brain and then the thyroid obviously is quite high up there as well. Is that kind of what you, and I think you just, I think you answered it medicine, but maybe if we could just get a little clearer on that around do you always take that top-down approach? Do you always start with the brain and mm-hmm. with the thyroid and the chewing and then work your way through? Always, yeah. I mean, and just to give you an example, I had, when I was dealing with my gut stuff, I had SIBO, which is a small intestine bacteria overgrowth. And I had that multiple times. It kept coming back and the bloating with that was insane, like bloated every single day, so painful so much cramping. Um, and I did the whole protocol, which is a very restrictive diet. It's all these antimicrobial herbs, right? The whole idea is to kill off this bacteria that's in your small intestine. So I did that protocol multiple times. And what would happen is the bacteria would grow back. I would get the bloating again and the super smelly gas. And like my symptoms would just come back after a couple months. And I was like, this is, I need to figure out something else. I'm sick of doing this. And then that's kind of when I started with the top. I was like, okay, let, let me kind of reassess how I'm doing things up at the top 
um, in hopes and trusting that my body knew exactly how to balance that bacteria overgrowth out. And that's what happened. Um, I started focusing on actually slowing down with my meals and chewing my food and enjoying my meals, um, not looking at my phone with my meals. I worked on the nervous system piece. I also was re- my thyroid function was really, really low and sluggish. And so that was a huge piece. Also, my stomach acid was super low. And of course, like that's kind of like the start of not the start, but there's a lot of good there's that's the start of kind of the bacterial balance, too. Um, and that's what happened. Like I just started focusing on those first couple pieces and the SIBO in a way and has never come back. I've never had those severe symptoms ever again. And I didn't take any antimicrobials or antibiotics or antifungals or anything because I just started with the top and trusted that my body knew exactly how to balance itself out once it was given the right inputs at the very beginning. So that's what I use with all my clients is like top down because we can talk about, you know, we can talk about electrolytes and, uh, you know, focusing on the small intestine and killing off certain gut bugs and adding in other probiotics and adding in other gut bugs. But it's like your body knows exactly how to balance itself out. It needs to have these other fundamental pieces in place. So yeah, it's, it works. That's what I've used for myself and all my clients. So it's cool. It's really cool to see because it is very body trusting. It's like, you don't need all these, you don't need to micromanage the bacteria in your gut. Like they know how to balance themselves out. Mm. And I imagine that's alongside, uh, well, you just mentioned the stress piece. So just being able to manage your stress, regulate yourself, the sleep, the sunshine, Mm -hmm. the walking, the moving, but then also I imagine it's, eating foods that are supporting uh, the thyroid, that are supporting our, you know, our metabolism that are Mm -hmm. easily digestible and absorbed. And can we just speak about that? Because I know there's principles uh, and foundations that you speak about Mm -hmm. within nutrition that do support Because yes, we can be mindful when we're eating, but if we're not eating things that are actually working Mm-hmm. for our body and are easily digestible and, and absorbed, well, then it doesn't, yeah, mindfulness will help a little bit and chewing. But mm-hmm. can you talk about that importance of bringing in, okay, we need to be looking at what we're eating. Uh, that's really essential. And some of these key principles and foundations around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say the, I have kind of what's called like my gut goddess plate. So it's like the American version of like the my plate. And essentially, like the there's four main components that I say are just like bare bones essentials. So the first one is a protein. And protein, I under ate for so many years and was wondered why I was so hangry and like hungry all the time. And now I'm like, oh, I was never eating enough protein. So protein is the number one thing I have people think about when they're planning a meal. Um, it is, I think, one of the harder to digest or harder to get macros. It's really easy to get fat and carbs. They're, yeah, they're, they're very abundant, but protein, making sure you have enough protein is I think a little bit more challenging for most people. Um, and I recommend doing more animal-based protein sources. So things like gelatin, collagen, uh, fish, chicken, turkey, red meat, organ meats, eggs, dairy products. Um, that's not to say plants don't have protein, but those the animal-based ones are going to be relatively more bioavailable, easier to digest. 
Um, so that's essential. Every single meal, like 25 to 35 grams at least, and you know, 10 to 15 grams of protein per per snack. So that's the first piece. The second piece is a fat. And like I said, fat is pretty easy because you're getting usually some fat in your protein sources. You know, if you're eating a meal with grass-fed beef, you're getting some fat in that. Um, it can also be your dairy, you know, so if you do dairy, you can easily get fat in there with some cheese, um, some sour cream, things like that. And it also includes the cooking oils that you're using, right? So again, animal base. I love ghee and butter, um, and using beef tallow. And then I also use coconut oil and olive oil. So those are kind of the, the other fats I'm getting. And then the other one is carbs. So you're getting all your macros. I'm not a fan of restricting any macros like I used to when I was keto. Um, carbs are amazing. And these ones, I mainly recommend doing lots of fruits and root veggies and simple sugars. So very similar to kind of the realm that you're into is, um, yeah, fruits, roots. So any kind of fruit, literally, um, maple syrup, honey, regular cane sugar, um, root veggies, white rice, sourdough bread, plantains, masa harina, um, and those are easier to digest um, in that they are not like grains and beans and nuts and seeds, which are all seeds. And those want to plant, get planted into the ground and um, reproduce. And so they create certain compounds that make them harder to digest. So, of course, you can make them easier to digest by soaking them and sprouting them and fermenting them like you would, you know, in sourdough bread. That's why it's an easier to digest option. But those to me don't don't really count as like the carb source. I yeah, would like people to mainly focus on fruits and roots, squashes, white rice. Um, and then the other just bare bones minimum is like sea salt. You know, that again is going to help support good stomach acid. It makes food taste really good. It's important for minerals and electrolytes. And then of course you can add in any kind of herbs and spices and, you know, small amount of fermented foods and that kind of makes your meals. So the majority of, um, you know, your plate should be filled with super easy to digest, nutrient dense foods. And of course, yes, there's room for some like not as easy to digest foods, but I think the majority of your plate, if it's filled with that, then you should be good. Okay. There's a few things in that, that I want to mm -hmm. talk about. Uh, yeah. I think the first one would be Okay, well, why? Like, why do those things really work for the gut? Like, why Why do we need to eat protein? Why do we need to eat enough protein? And why those proteins in particular when it comes mm. to our gut health? And then the same with uh, the fat and the carbohydrate. Like, why? Why those particular foods when we're talking about our gut and our gut health? Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll just go back through them. I mean, the protein one, um, those, I mean, of course, certain animal proteins can be harder to digest, right? Like red meat can be a little bit heavier for people, but it is, it's going to, I mean, most of those protein sources are also very mineral rich. So you're getting tons of iron, tons of zinc. You're getting really good, um, you know, you're getting magnesium in there. So that's a big reason is because of their nutrient density, um, another reason is that if you're trying to get protein from plants, plants, things like grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, you know, people use those for more of a protein source, they're harder to digest. You know, the, the bioavailability or the amount of protein that you're actually getting from those 
is lower than animal products. Um, and then also they're putting a little bit of a stressor on your system. Not to say you can never have those again. It's like those, especially if you're dealing currently with gut stuff, those might be better minimized um, for a period of time and then reintroduce later. But those you're not you're not getting as much um, you know you're not getting as much for your for your calories like, essentially. You're not getting you're not getting the the concentration of protein that you need. Um, so the animal-based ones, more nutrient-dense, mineral-rich, um, easier to digest. And for the fats, I mean, with the animal fats, especially butter, um, also coconut oil, both of those have butyric acid, which is really good for your gut microbiome. So those in particular, I really like recommending ghee, butter, or coconut oil. Um, mm. And then your other animal fats, they're just, they're going, they're lower in how much inflammation they're going to cause, right? So vegetable oils, you can research vegetable oils if you want. Like people are actually now realizing that vegetable oils uh, are very inflammatory. I think I just saw someone post about a study in particular with IBS um, and vegetable Mm -hmm. oils and just the fact that they can be very inflammatory, especially for the gut. Um, So that's one of the the biggest reasons is just the animal fats are, are... going to cause less inflammation in the gut and in the digestive system um and the carbs one i mean fruit people demonize fruit right because it has fructose but it is easier to digest because your body doesn't have to it essentially fruit that has fructose it it essentially skips a step or skips skips a couple steps in the digestion process um Mm -hmm. so it is it's it's easier for your body to digest it's not as fiber there's still fiber in there, but it's not as fiber rich as some of your um, like leafy green veggies. So again, back to the whole digestion piece, it's like, we're just trying to make your body access as much nutrients as it can with the least amount of effort. And so with fruit, even with your simple sugars too, which a lot of people are surprised about, right? With honey, your body doesn't have to break down so much fiber to access the nutrition and the carbs from that. Same with fruit, same with squash. Um, even white rice, people think I'm crazy for recommending white rice, but it's, it's been partially broken down for you. You know, the outer coating with the fiber has been taken off. And so of course, yes, you're not just going to eat white rice plain. It, it can, it's a lot of carbs. You're going to pair it with protein to stabilize your blood sugar, but it is, it's easier for your body to break down and access the nutrition from. Does that clarify things? Does that help? Okay. Yeah, I think it's just really helpful for people to hear the link between it. Yeah. Um, we've been in this space for quite a while now, but and a lot of a lot of my women that listen to the podcast have been in the metabolic space for a long time. But yeah. I think just to reconnect that piece around, okay, why why are we eating these foods? Like, what why are they, I guess, you know, pro-metabolic or Mm -hmm. more easily digestible or absorbed by the body? Why do they support our gut uh, a little more than than some other foods? And I Mm -hmm. have been having quite a lot of conversations though around, uh, again, this all or nothing, like a lot of people being afraid now to eat vegetables or to have Mm -hmm. a salad and it's not about that you know I in summer here like I love eating seasonally so if 
we go to the farmer's markets, we buy, you know, seasonal veggies or seasonal produce. And of course, being in the North now, we're in summer. So there's loads of fruit, loads of beautiful, like Mm -hmm. rocket and spinach. And so we eat salad quite a lot, but it's not, the way I like to describe it is, you know, we want to uh, do our strength training. We want to walk. We want to build up our aerobic base by maybe some zone two. But every now and then we can definitely sprinkle in like a longer run or a hit session or it's just like sprinkles on top. And I think mm-hmm. with the food stuff, like you were talking about, Madison, at the start, it's that we've got to enjoy. It's, a, it's an experience. We've got to enjoy what we're eating. And if you enjoy a beautiful salad, it's not about not eating that. Uh, it's about, okay, well, what are you eating over the, the entire week or over the day? What's the balance like? Are you getting yeah enough protein? Are you balancing mm-hmm. your meals? Are you eating frequently? It doesn't mean you can't eat a freaking salad. It's just mm-hmm. there are foods that are a bit easily digested and absorbed by the body. It's the same mm-hmm. with training. There are ways mm-hmm. to train that are a bit more supportive for our physiology uh, and, Mm -hmm. you know, our muscles and our nervous system and our metabolism than other types of training. But it doesn't mean we can never not do those. I think, and again, I'm sure, you know, you see this in your work a lot. When you help someone with the stress piece, you go top-down approach, they mostly eat food that's easily digested and absorbed that supports them they have this foundation and then they maybe can eat things that they couldn't before or mm-hmm. yeah. A hundred percent. I was going to, I mean, just what you were saying is just reminds me of this idea of resiliency, right? I think for a certain period, it's like, yes, let's be very particular about the things that we're consuming and the type of exercise and movement that we're doing. And I think that that can come with when you have a health crisis or you in, you're in, you know, having all these, whatever issues you're having, I think it's important to maybe be that cautious but then the true test is to see how resilient your body can become by adding in adding in some more variety and not having to be so particular about it is yeah that's the goal is to have resiliency and um I love that you mentioned eating seasonally because it's like of course in the summer yeah I'm gonna have you know a bunch of raw tomatoes and cucumbers and some leafy greens and and my body can handle that now whereas before it couldn't so yeah, that's always the goal is variety. And I think eating seasonally is a great way to get variety is to, um, I mean, that's how we've always been, you know, we've, we consumed whatever was locally available to us. So it makes sense for me to consume, you know, what I'm, what's grow being grown in my home state. And then also in winter, it's like, I actually don't crave a salad because it's not really available. And I just want like warm cooked, salty, brothy meals. And it just, it makes sense. And that's what our bodies are used to anyways yeah I've always been like that like winter time I've got the slow cooker the instapot on mm-hmm. the oven on it's always yeah and then in summertime mm-hmm. it's a lot lighter and it's a lo- loads more fruits and yeah more salads and stuff uh and I think that's a really important one, the seasonal eating uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, the sustainability piece and the support your local farmers. So that means, yes, go and eat seasonally. And that's also going to give you direction um, with your 
with your nutrition and and what you have available and what you can cook um and so yeah i think i don't know i think it's really important um I would love to know, okay, well, why, like, why do we have low stomach acid? Why do we have diarrhea or constipation? Like, why are we get? why do we have all of these issues? Why, what do you see in your work with the stomach acid thing? Yeah, I mean, the stomach acid in particular, I think it's, it's, again, going back up to the other pieces, it's low thyroid function, that has a lot to do with how much stomach acid you're producing, it goes back to the nervous system function. Um, you know, again, when your body is stressed, and, and constantly going and going, it's not, it's moving resources away from your stomach. And so your stomach acid is not important to your body. And so that is a big piece. And then also the brain piece, you know, if you're not having mindfulness with your meals, if you're not Essentially, if your brain's not giving your body the the cue, like it is time to eat, that can that can lead to low stomach acid. And of course, there's other things, right? There's overuse of antibiotics and pain meds and um, acid lowering drugs that people are on for years. And there's like physiological things that can happen. You know, if you have a lot of extra weight around your midsection, like that can kind of push things up and cause acid reflux and contribute to you know, some, some issues there, but I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. Medication use, stress, birth control, antibiotics. Um, but I would say the biggest ones are the stress, stress and thyroid piece to low stomach acid and also under eating protein, right? Because if you're under eating protein, your body's, I mean, stomach acid is really important for producing or protein intake is important for producing stomach acid. Um, because it signals to your body, like we need to create more stomach acid to break down this, this certain type of macronutrient. So for me, like I was vegan and vegetarian for like eight years and my stomach acid was very low because I wasn't really eating a lot of protein and I didn't really need a lot of stomach acid. So when I started eating more animal products, it gave my body this feedback, like we're eating these things, create more stomach acid. So that's another big one that I see too. Mm. But yeah, that's in regards to acid or like acid reflux heartburn um yeah there's that stomach acid piece yeah that's really interesting uh and what about like diarrhea and constipation because they're they're big issues so big (laughs) yeah I never personally I've struggled a little bit with constipation usually when I travel um but mostly looser stools I would say that was me for yeah, a decade. There's always urgency with my stools, undigested food, running to the bathroom, looser. Um, and again, so many different pieces, just like the kind of the solution is so many different pieces, the cause is so many different pieces. It's not eating enough in general, right? That can be stressful for your nervous system. And so that's a big one, just not eating enough, um, not eating the right foods, eating foods that are really irritating and um, causing inflammation in your gut. So your body's just expelling them quickly, too quickly in regards to diarrhea. Um, the stress piece is huge. I know that I used to I used to play soccer and right before the soccer game, I would always mm-hmm. have to like rush to the bathroom. And I never thought anything of it. I just thought that was normal. Like, but that's not that's not how everyone is. I just would always like get the nerve I would get nervous and like, you know before giving like a speech or yeah, before my soccer games, I would, I would have to poop because your nervous system is like, okay, we're stressed. Like let's get rid of, you know, our poop. 
So that's, you know, the stress piece is huge. Um, lack of sleep. I think those are, yeah. And then just, just again, all the things above, like poor thyroid function, poor liver and gallbladder function. If you got your gallbladder taken out, that can cause diarrhea. Or if you're not digesting your fats well, that can mm-hmm. contribute to diarrhea. Um, yeah, if you have low stomach acid, that can be an, another contributing factor. Um, if you're doing too much chronic cardio, like that can be, again, stressful for your nervous system. It can be, and you can, ex- you know, your body can see that as a stressor and expel your your stool too quickly. Um, constipation is so a little... I have a funny story. Sorry. Yeah, go. We uh, have been training outside a lot this summer and a lot at the track uh I wanted to really get into running and sprinting again so I've been with Carson my lover my partner and so we mostly will train in the morning time and we will drink like a coffee or two in the morning and he has to pee a lot when he drinks coffee Mm -hmm. uh and so he'll go it will be at the track and he'll go and pee a lot anyway over the summer he's like I have realized how many people have terrible bowels because he'll be in there oh, peeing no. and then people will go into the toilet and they just yeah. have terrible diarrhea and he mm-hmm. just hears them just like shitting. No. But it's like, you know, like splashing yeah. and spurting like diarrhea. And he like, he just didn't realize like mm-hmm. how terrible people's bowels are. And I don't even think people that experience that realize that that is not a great thing to happen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that just made me think of that around, you know, lots, obviously we're at a track, chronic cardio people yeah. there, people that really look quite undernourished. Uh, mm-hmm. And those people have to go in, they just have diarrhea mm-hmm. yeah. all the time. Oh no. That's funny. Every time I see, every time I go to, um, every time I see some, if someone pooped in a public toilet and they didn't flush it, I'm like, yo, people, this is not a normal poop. Like who, I don't think people know what a normal poop is supposed to be like, but that just brought up another one. Coffee on an empty stomach absolutely can give you diarrhea or some people use it if they do have constipation, which is not ideal. That's another one common one yeah if I um sometimes in the second half of my cycle if I don't have enough to eat for my morning snack and I have my coffee I yeah I can get Mm -hmm. diarrhea or get loose bowels it's not terrible terrible diarrhea but it's definitely not like I would normally Mm -hmm. um poo in the morning so that's a big one for me so in that second half I really have got to make sure that I have a more substantial snack than Absolutely. Um, I normally would, if, you know, with my coffee. Because there's been times that I've been out on my walk with Hank and I'm just like, oh, my God, I've got to get home. And I'm yeah. like, that never happens to me. I have yeah. amazing, amazing bowels. But, yeah, I guess period poops are, can be a thing. Yeah. Um, do you want to just talk to that a little bit? Because I know a lot of females' bowels can change in their second half of their cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, period poops. Again, I that I thought that was normal. I was like, I thought everyone like got diarrhea before their period and now that never happens to me and I'm like, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the couple things, excess estrogen, right? If you're having excess estrogen, that can be a con- contributing factor to um 
period poops. There's so much to say about that, but yeah, generally excess estrogen is a common one. Um, also just excess inflammation, right? If you think about, especially on your period, muscles are like pushing a lot out at that point. And so that's going to affect your bowels because they're all in a very general area. And so if you have a lot of excess inflammation, um, down there, it's going to also affect your bowels down there and just, you're going to excrete poop maybe at a faster rate than you normally would. Um, those are the two big ones that I think of excess estrogen, also just excess inflammation or your, your fatty acid balances off, right? Because your fatty acids are, or even the fats that you consume are affecting how much you have pain and inflammation, especially during that time of your cycle. So really focusing on minimizing things like vegetable oils, um, and eating some of those better fats, things like coconut oil, olive oil, butter, ghee, that can really help too. Um, and just like nutrient deficiencies, I feel like just the more that I ate, the more balanced I ate, balancing my blood sugar, just again, all those big fundamental things just really has helped with those period poops too. Yeah, I definitely know it's, it doesn't happen very often to me, but uh, in the times that I can recall that it happens, definitely times of higher stress, just a lot more going on, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not eating as much or, or training a lot. I would say it's more not a not eating enough. It's a, I like, I tend to sometimes overtrain or train quite hard. And so mm -hmm. those, yeah, I link that together that sometimes that can show up in that second phase if, yeah, if stress is a bit higher and if yep. my training load is a little bit too high alongside of the stress, it definitely, that's kind of like my marker or indicator of like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I'm a little, the body's a little stressed here as my bowels mm -hmm. um, go, can at times go a little bit funky. And I think that's the important one for a lot of people. Would you say medicine? It's like, okay, what's your like, what's your biomarker or your one or two markers that mm -hmm. are kind of like the leaders in the sign that your body might be under, under a bit of stress. Cause I think yeah. they're different for everyone. Yeah. I mean, and that's exactly what I just thought of when you mentioned that is like, if you have a cycle, that is a very good biomarker for you. Right. Because for me, it's like my period comes and I know how my month was, you know, it's like, it's a reflection of your past month. And so for me too, if I've had an extra stressful month, um, like I get a little bit more cramping. It's nothing like it used to be, but I can feel it. You know, there's more cramping. Maybe my stools are a little bit looser. I feel a little bit more anxious or irritable around that time. Um, so that's a huge one and a, a cool, something that I used to hate, you know, my cycle, I used to hate it. It was terrible, but now for me, it's like, it's a very good biomarker. I'm like, okay, this is a really cool time to like chill and rest and like reflect on my past month and how much I took care of myself this past month. Um, Another one for me is coffee. Like I used to not be able to do coffee at all because I was just, as you, I'm sure know, yeah, like I was very undernourished. I was restricting foods. I wasn't eating enough. I would drink coffee on an empty stomach in the morning, go to work and not eat until 2 p.m. Um, and then I just, I would feel so jittery and anxious with it. And I think a lot of people with gut issues take out coffee and I think it can be helpful for some time, but the goal is to be able to have coffee because it's delicious and it's can be really health promoting in a lot of ways. 
Um, so me too, if I'm eating enough and I'm managing my stress and I'm sleeping enough and I'm doing all the things, like I tolerate coffee, no problem. Like I love it and I look forward to it. The moment that it starts to give me a little bit um, of anxiety, then I know like, okay, like something's, I need to tend to one of those pillars that I have not been tending to. Um, that's another one for me. And then my skin. I mean, that's another really big one is my skin used to flare up really bad. I'd have tons of like rosacea, really bad cystic acne, um, like all over my face, my back. And so that is also another good marker is just like, how's my skin doing, especially in the luteal phase. That's a really good marker. I'm like, okay, I haven't had any, nothing's come up in my luteal phase, which is, is really good. Cause that's when it used to get really bad. So I think skin Skin is really good or a good assessment or biomarker. Yeah, your, your skin looks great. Thank you. It's, yeah. been, it's been a long process, but yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's another thing that um, it can be really hard for a lot of people, like their skin issues. Um, mm-hmm. And that the skin takes a long time to, yeah. to heal. But yeah, your yeah. skin looks amazing. Thank you. It's probably, yeah. I'm, I'm also tan, so that helps too, tan with the summer, but also yes. a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of the foundational work to do it. Yeah. Uh, so you've mentioned your, like your pillars that you use uh, in your work, in your program. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, a little bit more about your work or your program? Like what, yeah, what does it What does it look like, feel like, structure-wise? What's kind of the journey that someone goes on with you? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I mean, I just have one, kind of my one signature program. I work with people for about four months, uh, which feels to some people like a really long time. But for me, that's like a very short snippet of time to kind of get them started and get them going on all these different foundations. Um, and I meet with them, like I said, I meet with people all over the world and on our sessions, it's a lot of, it's a lot of downloading information, just kind of like we've talked about. It's like, here's kind of how your digestive system works, or here's the nutrition piece. You know, we kind of go through those different fundamentals, you know, spend a session or two on each one. And then after that, it's like, okay, you have all this information. Now what, like, what does this actually look like for you? Where do you want to focus? Um, what's coming up? Like as a barrier, a potential barrier, like how are you feeling? What are the thoughts that are going through your mind? Um, because I think a lot of this is is very different than what most people are used to hearing when I'm telling them like, yeah, eat more. Like I want you to eat more. I want you to eat all these different foods. I want you to eat red meat. I want you to eat fruit and lots of carbs. Um, so a lot of it is, yeah, like I said, kind of downloading information and giving them a different refreshing perspective and then helping them identify how to implement it. Um, I know for me, it's, I have a lot of knowledge, but also I have a big background in psychology and sociology. And I understand that it is not just knowing it's not, it's not about knowing information. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what you said earlier about there's, there's something that's valuable in just like having someone along in the journey with you to identify what's coming up. And after you know all the information that you could ever know, what does that even mean? You know, how does that affect your day-to-day life? Like, again, going back to like looking at the assessment and kind of taking an assessment of your day-to-day, how is, 
how is this information changing those daily habits that you're doing? Um, so yeah, I find a lot of it is, uh, I mean, uh, as you know, it's so rewarding. It's, it's really cool to give people cool, cool new information about health and wellness, but then it's really rewarding to help them identify why, why they can't do it or what's coming up for them or explore why they're having certain resistance towards certain, certain changes and just helping them over the course of that four months really implement those foundations. And, um, I mean, I will say like I could work with people for, as you probably do for years, you know, just implementing these same foundational things. But yeah, the program is really intended to like give them all the good information, set them up with all the pillars, give them all the resources that they need, um, and then just kind of start that process of implementation. So I do work with some clients outside of that, but that's more of the implementation and kind of integration piece of like, okay, you know, all the information now, like let's, let's make this consistent and, um, just helping support them with the, the day-to-day things. So that's a little bit more about how it works. Mm. Yeah. What would you say, uh, that people struggle with the most uh, after the education piece around the implementation or mindset piece? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, at least from what I've seen, is that people want, they want to come to me and they want me to write them up a protocol. They want me to tell them what foods to eat, what supplements to take, how to move. Um, they They want it all written up at once. And that's, that's what they want. And so I, I sense their frustrations when I'm like, we're talking about food stuff today. And all I want you to do this next two weeks is track, track your food, or just think about how you're, you know, eating. Like, that's all I want you to do. You know, it, um, I want them to take very, very slow, mindful steps and start with one thing and not move on until they've mastered that and can move on to another piece. Um, so I think that's probably the hardest that uh, the hardest thing that I see with people is they want they want it written up, they want a protocol, they want to just be given this thing and they don't necessarily like the feeling of like slow. Like let's slow this down. Like I'm not telling you anything about exercise until you get like your nutrition dialed in. Um yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. It's the friction with the slowness the the slowing down um, Mm -hmm. that I find a lot of women I work only with women now but even when I didn't that a lot of people really struggle with Mm -hmm. is um, the the feeling of this is not enough this is not uh, I'm not doing enough. This doesn't feel like enough. I need to do more. I need, yeah. The, yeah. And I think that's just a very safe feeling from what we've felt before when we've tried all of these things and mm-hmm. we feel safe and we feel like we have a plan and a strategy and it works for a while, for sure. A lot of this stuff does, like you have said, Madison, in your own journey for mm-hmm. a decade. Yeah, I'm sure all of that stuff worked a little bit for you because- yeah you did it and you did it for a little while, but then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And we realize that actually, okay, it's not working. Why isn't it working? And often, even with my women now, they'll get into their journey, 
you know, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, I ask for a minimum of 12 months and I'll probably one day soon ask for two years uh, because I think it takes that long. And that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, really scary for people. Um, Those listening that think four months is scary, I'm just like, no way. Uh, But they'll often they'll have friction at so many points in time along our mm-hmm. our journey or our work together. And it's not that they're not doing the, the thing that's right for them right now. They are because I'm leading them and I know mm-hmm. it's that they're not getting there quick enough and that's mm-hmm. the thing. And I'm sure you see this all the time in, in your work with the gut. It takes a long time to work through the stories, the mindset stuff. It takes a long time to change our life, our day, our Mm -hmm. stresses. Uh, And so do you want to just speak to that a little bit? Do you see that quite a bit? Um, Is that where you see the friction of it not being? Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, Yeah. I think it it doesn't happen fast enough. And I always remind people, I'm like, this is four months. Like you're going to have, I'm trying to build, help you build the foundations that you're going to use for years. I want you to feel confident knowing what to eat, how to shop, how much to eat, how to move, how to sleep, how to make your day support your gut health. And it's your job to do that outside of this program. This is not four months, you're done, check it off your list at the end of the four months. It's like, this is the, the foundational piece. Um, and I, I find myself constantly doing that because yeah, people want, like you said, that's, that's what feels familiar for people is like, I'm doing this 30 day cleanse or I'm doing this six weeks to flat abs protocol or whatever. And it's like, no, that that's exciting and really fun. But yeah, the process is you got to commit to at least for a couple of years. And even then it's like, I hate the I don't love the phrase like healing is a journey because that makes it feel like it's never ending, which I feel like, yes, true. I feel like I'm still healing, but also, you know, you will reach these points of, of destinations along the way, which I think it's important to remind people of that too. But yeah, it really, it's a, it's a destination, but then it's also a, a journey because I imagine even two years, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a really long time. And I think that would be a very scary commitment to think about committing to, but like, I mean, I've had my own weight loss and like fitness journey over the last year. And I'm like, wow, I've made a lot of progress in a year, but I feel like I could be making way more progress in the next two years. Like, and people don't talk about that. And I think it's important that people are reminded of like, this was me five years ago and this is me now. It's like, this was not a six week transformation or a three month transformation. It's like, it's, it's a commitment for a really long time. And yeah, I think that's where the friction is. It's like, it want, we want it fast, but it makes sense. Like you're uncomfortable and you want this goal and yes, it, but it's not sustainable at all. Yeah. And I think that's the important piece because, and I'll often tell my women, like I could get you there. I could get you there way faster if you wanted to, but often that's not going to be in alignment with how you actually want to live your life or how you can live your life because you've got a family and you've got little humans and you've got a job and you've got all of these other things that, you know, it takes a long time to change 
life to change mm-hmm. how we're actually living mm-hmm. and the deeper we are into life the more responsibilities we have the more commitments we have the harder that is and so I think even just knowing that that we could do this a little bit more efficient and a little bit more effective I'm not going to say fast because I don't believe building a foundation is a fast mm-hmm. process but we can definitely do it with a bit more efficiency if we choose to do that and if we can but often our life just it we can't do it and so we have to be okay with it taking years uh to get there or we change our reality which sounds Mm -hmm. like what you did yeah where you're like okay I can't work a nine to five I can't be in this relationship because these things were creating so much stress for you that mm-hmm. it was preventing you from healing. So you actually had to change how you were actually living mm-hmm. uh, in order to, yeah, to heal. Yeah. I think about my day to day just now, you know, I think about like, I go on a morning walk and I make my breakfast and then I go to the gym for a couple hours and then I have client calls and do some work. And like my day to day compared to what it used to look like is completely different it's crazy. But again, it's like the day to day is your reflection of how your life's going to be and where your goals are. And my day to day used to be wake up, do nothing, you know, like wake up five minutes before my job, drive to work, maybe get Starbucks on the way, um, work all day, you know, like it was not, not at all the same. So it's, yeah, it, it took years to do that though. Like you're saying, it took years to make create a life that allows me to thrive rather than yeah be where I was yeah and this could be a whole nother podcast conversation but a lot of us actually really have to make some big changes in our reality if we really Mm -hmm. want to have energy be healthy have great gut health you know build insane strength and and get the results that we want, we, we have to actually make some really big changes, which mm-hmm. is hard and, and scary. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, and I also believe that we can actually, you know, I'm all for one for pushing and working hard and you own your own business and I own mine and I work really hard and I train mm-hmm. really hard, but I've had to earn the right to do that. And I think mm-hmm. we can get to that place of, it's okay to like want to push and do lots of things with our life. It's, but we've got to have a strong foundation first Mm -hmm. and we've got to know how to manage ourselves properly and our energy and nourish ourselves to support doing those things. And I think what would you say that that would be kind of what you see is that people they, we want to do all of these things, but they just don't have that foundation or the, I guess they're not resourced up enough to, mm-hmm. to support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see that all the time. And I've seen that in myself too. It's just people again, kind of back to the whole protocol thing. You know, a lot of clients are like, tell me what supplements to take. Tell me what's foods to include. Like, you know, give me all the things to do. And I'm just like, I have to pull them back and remind them like, let's just focus on eating enough because you're not eating enough, you know, you're eating 1200 calories per day. Like let's, let's make sure you're nourishing yourself on a day-to-day basis. And then once you do that, 
you probably you might not even need these extra fluffy little things so I find that yeah that's that's the case for a lot of things it's like reeling people back and just getting them back to those fundamentals um so that they can have the energy and the means and the resources to actually maybe add in some additional supportive things but a lot of the times they don't even really need those need those things and another thing I thought of too is it just in regards to stress. I get have a lot of clients who, you know, of course, when they're stressed, they don't eat enough. They're not meal prepping. They're not, that's not a priority for them. And I used to be that way all the time. I just wouldn't eat. Um, I don't, you know, I lose my appetite when I'm stressed. But now I realize like if I prep these things and prepare beforehand, I know that that will support me in having the resources to better manage this stress. So in a way, it's stressful to not do those or yeah, it's stressful to have to do those things. But then once you know how much you get from doing those things, that becomes less stressful. So you do those things to prepare for. Mm. Yeah, those other times. So it's like once you know what good inputs you need, then yeah, you can push yourself, you can do more, you can, you can, yeah, I mean, it just goes back to that resiliency piece. It's like you can, I would have never been able to have my own business had I been just still dealing with all my my gut issues. Like it took time and I had to really change my life and build up those resources before I could finally give, give back to, you know, my community and the people that I serve. Yeah. So how do how tell us more about where people find you is the course open all of the time or is it closed sometimes and they have to apply for certain intakes where do they find more information yeah Yeah, where do you show up a lot yeah so I'm mostly on Instagram so at the gut goddess um in regards to my services my one-on-one coaching program is usually always open I usually take anywhere from five-ish clients every couple months. So it's like maybe 15 clients a year. So not a lot, but that allows me to really serve my one-on-one clients. Um, So more info on that is on my website too, thegutgoddess.com. Or you can, I have a call with every potential client so people can schedule that. And then my group program is, um, it runs twice a year. So I'm actually opening up enrollment next week for it. And it is basically everything that we've talked about. It's everything that I do in my one-on-one practice, but in a group setting and also within the matter of about five weeks. So it's all those different fundamentals. It's tons of resources. It's community support, questions answered. Um, And yeah, so that is called the Gut Goddess Academy. And that is happening um, starting in September, but doors open for a couple of days in late August for that. Awesome. Great. Well, Mm -hmm. I'll get this podcast out by the end of August then so people listening can hear that and know. Um, I always like to try and align it with whoever I have on, if they're doing something within their world or their work or their community. Yeah, it's really cool to have the, the episode align with that. So thanks for it. Thanks for telling me that you're opening your doors at the end of August. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else finally that you want to drop on the mic before we finish? I don't think so. 
I think I'm good. I think we covered so much and so many, yeah, so many good tips and tricks and perspective shifts. Yeah. Madison, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for spending this like 90 minutes with me. I truly appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you do. Thank you. Same. Yeah. Thank you so much. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.